And I think when we're in that pain and situations, we can think God's forgotten me and and He's left left me here to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And that's just simply not true. Uh, because at the end of that, it says, but I trust in your unfailing love. Mm. Um, because our hope is in Him. He is the hope of glory. He's our salvation. And so uh, even in the pain, we know Christ is our life. And and that um, that you can come to Him right where you are and if that's simply all you can say in your pain is the words lord i need you you don't have to to show strength in your pain but but just that reliance and utter dependence on christ and saying christ you lord you are in me and uh, i know you are in this with me and may you be glorified i trust in you and Yeah, may you be glorified Mm -hmm. and trust in you. Welcome to this episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. We, um, those of you who are not familiar with just exactly what goes on here at His Hill, uh, there's there's different uh, ministries that come from the center, uh, the center being His Hill itself. Uh, we have uh, the, the the main ministry. What takes the most most of the time throughout the year is our Bible school, which runs for nine months, beginning in September. After that, we have a three month summer camp ministry, and then throughout the year, we have retreats and conferences. We're we're uh, almost in the middle of our Bible school year, and we have a one year program, and then an optional second year program. Well, today we have one of our second-year students with us. Uh, she comes. She she attended one of the other Torchbearer centers for first year, and then uh, elected to come here for her second year. So she'll tell you more about that in our conversation. But anyway, we have with us Jenna Kapinski. Did I say that right? Pretty close. <laughs> Pretty close. Okay, how did I mess it up? It's Kim Pinsky. Kim Pinsky. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Kim Pinsky. Thank you. And uh, she's from Alberta. Uh, we thought it would be uh, just really interesting and encouraging for you to, to hear her story. Uh, John, who is our principal, uh, came to me and he says, you know, Kelly, I think if you would, you might want to interview uh, Jenna. And I thought, well, John, Let's do that. And already we've had a, uh, she and I have sat down, had a little bit of a discussion together before we started to record. And I really am excited to hear just uh, what she has to say about how the Lord has shown himself to her and how he lives his life in her. Uh, So anyway, Jenna, welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you with us. Uh, like so many people, they're, uh, she's a little nervous, and uh, I told her it's okay, and in a few minutes, you'll be very comfortable. So um, I, I appreciate, even though you're nervous, yeah, that you are willing to do this. Um, uh, Jenna, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you, where's home? So home for me is in Drumheller, Alberta, in Canada, and so I've live there it's uh, considered dinosaur town because we have a huge museum of dinosaur bones Mm. and lots of dinosaur bone discoveries around the area so yeah canada Canada, eh? all right (laughs) i married a canadian and i lived there for a while too so i have uh i i have vested interest in canada um, ah. <laughs> and then, of course, so many of our students come from Canada that uh, there's there's a very real connection uh, for me with Canada. Um, now, you oh, tell us about your family a little bit. How many siblings are there? 
Yeah, so I have two brothers and two sisters, and I'm the youngest. Um, okay. I'm a twin. So oh, are you? I am. So there's two of us that are troublemakers. Okay. <laughs> I'm the youngest. Are you an identical twin? Fraternal, but oh. we look identical. Oh, really? And we act very similar. Oh, really? So okay. It could be her right now on the podcast, and oh. you wouldn't know. <laughs> really? That's interesting. Okay. And uh, is it is this a, do you come from a, a believing family, a Christian family? I do. Yes. Yeah. It started with my grandparents. Uh, they immigrated from Germany uh, to Canada when they were in their 20s, um, and they became believers from, uh, actually from a, I don't know how you would call it, but a, a traveling evangelist. Okay. And he would go to all these farms and just answer questions about God and who Jesus is. And, and that's how, how they became believers. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what year did they come to Canada? Oh man. <laughs> I don't know the exact year, um, but it, oh, well, my mom was born in Canada. Okay. Um, and so she was born in 1967. Okay. So my Oma was pregnant when they moved okay. and were on on their way. Oh, so, okay. All yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, um, why don't you tell us a little bit, what, what was it like uh, growing up in a Christian family in, I guess you would call it Southern Alberta, because it's in the area of Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What was it like for you? Um, so it was a little bit of chaos because there's five, five kids. And um, so I'm from a single parent home. And okay. so it was just my mom. And she she had a lot on her hands. We were a rambunctious bunch, mm. um, but we just got to be able to connect uh, a lot, and and we're a very creative family. So lots of music in the house, mm. and uh, my mom loves bringing together the family to sing together. Okay. Sometimes against our will, but we're always <laughs> thankful after. <laughs> but yeah, so very musical. Um, well, I want to stop you for a second and say thank you to your mom because you're in the His Hill, His Hill Choir. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, so I appreciate that, Mom. Thank you. So go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, um, is it? Yeah, I guess that's kind of a overall rundown. Okay. But yeah, yeah, okay. I love my family. So. Okay, good. And um, when, how, how did you personally come to know Jesus? So I... Um, I would say when I was five, I came to know Jesus. So I remember uh, sitting in my room with my mom and uh, just coming to an understanding of a need in my life. Like I need Jesus mm. in my life. And even as a five-year-old, I think I had the the understanding of, of what I was doing and saying, I accept Jesus into my heart. And so, so she sat down with me and, and she just asked me, like, Jenna, do you want to accept Jesus into your heart? And I said, yes. And mm. so from that uh, point, I would say I was saved. Um, but it was a, a lot more of a journey to understand um, really what that meant. Okay. So. Well, tell us a little bit about that, that yeah, journey. <laughs> I can, yes. So you were five. Yeah, I was five. Okay. And so um, so it was at that, uh, okay, wait, let me <laughs> get my words together. Sure, yeah. Um, so it was that same year that my parents separated. Okay. And so they separated with the intention of healing their marriage. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, my dad decided to pursue another woman. And mm -hmm. so it kind of ended in um, in this long journey of divorce and uh, seven-year uh, trials with the, the courts and, and trying to figure out who's going to get the kids. So there was a lot of... Uh, uneasiness uh, and kind of not knowing where where I fit and um, growing up like I 
I really wanted my dad's love and affection. Okay. And so I tried to, to be like this perfect daughter that did all the right things. Um, but um, it was difficult with my dad. Um, he, um, I think, was going through a lot. That doesn't, doesn't uh, make anything right. Uh, but he, he often uh, would put on the little five-year-old Jenna, Jenna that, um, that I wasn't loving him the way a daughter should. And that, um, that the actions in my life uh, <laughs> as a little kid growing up wasn't um, showing love to him as a father that I should be doing, mm. that I wasn't being a good daughter. Okay. And so um, just growing up with that, I was trying to uh, win his affection and win his love uh, and just uh, trying to be that perfect daughter. And my dad was a believer, and so... Um, so he he would often uh, compare it to Jesus and say, "You're not loving me the way Jesus would want you to love me." And so there was that spiritual guilt, um, which really took a toll on me. And now, would you say all of your siblings had to deal with this, or was this specifically for you? Um, I can't say for sure, but I know uh, it was interesting with me being the youngest. Okay. Uh, that he he I'm not sure why, but for. Um, for, or for what reason, but he would often take me alone and okay. kind of question me and say, would, do you want to live with me? Do you, um, but there was just a lot of guilting. Okay. Uh, and, um, because I was the youngest and I also was someone that wanted to please my dad. Okay. Uh, and I was more of a sensitive soul. And so he, he just wanted to, I don't know, I can't say what he wanted to do, but, but he would often sit me down alone and question me and, um, and explain why my mom was not a good mom and why, mm. why I should live with him instead. Wow, that's a lot for a child to have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, um, it influenced me quite a bit. Of, okay, how of, so? So I think mainly with, uh, with my dad being my earthly father, mm-hmm. I I came to understand or think mm-hmm. that okay, this is how it works with Jesus. Is that I need to be perfect and I need to be deserving of His love, mm. and that um, His love is conditional, and that's it's dependent uh, upon all my actions mm. and that his love can be given, but it can also be taken away. Mm. And so I kind of grew, grew up thinking, okay, Jesus is exactly like my dad because that's the relationship I knew. That, um, I, I think that's, that's one of the biggest obstacles for so many of us to have to get past. You know, we, we interpret truth according to our, our experiences. Um, when, and not according to what God says in his word. And so it makes it difficult for us sometimes to, to, to dive into the word and to start with what God says and not with what I feel or what I have experienced. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's interesting um, because, again, I think there's a lot of, a lot of believers that I think all of us to some extent, you know, tend to interpret scripture according to, uh, other sources and not not simply starting with this is what God says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so tell us about that. How did you you know how did the Lord take you through that then? 
Yeah. So it was, it was a process, um, that, uh, I, I knew Jesus existed. I knew he, um, was my savior. I knew he was in my life, but I didn't understand at all what relationship with him meant. And so I thought that it would resemble my fatherly relationship and that it could be taken away. And, um, it was, that was kind of the start. It, I, um, as I grew up, uh, I just allowed other experiences to just feed into that and think, um, and influence how I viewed relationship with Jesus. Mm. Yeah. So any other relationships that, that went wrong, so to say, just, I allowed that to feed in to, to knowing, okay, Jesus is at arm's length. He's at arm's length. Mm. Um, and that he, he, um, that when he promises that he is with us and that he is our life, that he doesn't actually mean that. Um, well, that's, I, I understand what you're saying, and I think to some extent, um, a, a lot of people have to deal with these kind of things f- from different experiences, different uh, backgrounds, different issues. Uh, just how, what did the Lord do? What, where, where did He take you to to um, you know to to bring you to you know the truth of what a relationship with Him means? What is what is it? What is it? Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, with that question. Uh, I'll explain some other relationships of just, uh, I think he brought me to a place of emptiness. And so, so a big one was with my brother. When I, when I was 12, my brother, he attempted to commit suicide. And so it, uh, kind of upheaved our home. Um, uh, it's, he continued to struggle over the years and, um, and unfortunately, it took took a lot of my mom's attention, and so we kind of became quite independent. Mm. And that, and so I thought, okay, I can solve things on my own. Um, and then when I was sixteen, he um, declared that he was no longer a man but a woman. Mm. And so with that, uh, this is called being a transgender. Right. Um, but uh, it was something that caused a lot of strong reactions around me. How old were you at this time? I was 16. Okay. Oh, yeah. I thought you said he was 16. I'm sorry. No, I was 16. Okay. So he would have been in his 20s. Okay. Um, and so so it was a lot of strong reactions and something that um, either people didn't know what to do with or knew exactly what to do with. And so, so my church, my church whom I love, mm-hmm. um, we were kind of, yeah, I would say they didn't quite know what to do with our family. Okay. Um, because entering into that is a whole, whole uh, can of worms, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to say. Uh, it just opens up a lot of uneasiness mm-hmm. and not knowing what to say mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. how to even acknowledge it. Do you acknowledge it? Do you pretend it's not happening? Mm-hmm. And so uh, unintentionally, we were we were shut out of the church um, just because they didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, uh, we had lifelong friends that, um, that decided to support my brother's decision. Mm. And so, um, so we, there was a lot of loss of relationship and things that I thought would be lasting forever and that it would never be taken away. And so that brought me to a place of just being alone mm. and, and seeing that, 
that something changes so quickly and something that you think is solid, it, it, it is <laughs> something that you think never changes can change in, in the life uh, we're living. So it was kind of a whirlwind for me. And that just kept feeding into the, my idea of um, that where is Jesus in this? And is he the same again of like just losing relationship and mm. that he's, is he constant? And so I wanted to know him, um, but I didn't understand relationship with him. And so I went to Bible school and I went to England, uh, Cape Henry Hall, and there um, God lovingly broke down all the walls of protection I had put. Mm. And he showed me that everything I had experienced in my life, all that loss that I had pushed down into myself and created an identity out of that, of, of being just, um, yeah, being a victim of my experiences. And so he undid me. It's, Mm maybe hard to explain but he did undid me in a way where I had to face myself Mm -hmm. and I had to see how empty I am Mm. and so um, he just showed me that all I have to offer is a broken and hurting soul and that's all he wants Mm. and so saying yes to Jesus meant saying yes that he is my life that he is the way the truth the life and so uh so that's kind of just in that that deep emptiness he met me there and crying out to him and saying lord where are you and and he just says i'm right here i always have been Mm. and so i just came to understand that saying yes to jesus is saying yes to relationship and that that he is constant and he is everlasting and um, there's the ebbs and flows of life and he is in it in every aspect and that um, that what we experience here on earth is temporary uh, but he is eternal mm. and his love is eternal his holiness his righteousness every aspect of him is eternal amen so yeah that's a little piece of it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's really well said too. I appreciate it. Um, uh, as you were talking, I'm just reminded my own life. So many and so many believers have to go through what you called it um, an undoing. I think is what you said, mm-hmm. and I've called it a deprogramming. You know, <laughs> where you know we've we we got our, ourselves on this path, and we draw our, our identity from other things, and call this you know this the, I'm a Christian. But my identity is in my, uh, in my hurt. My identity is in my trials, you know, and, um, and my identity is in my confusion. Uh, and we, if we're not careful, uh, we, well, what happens is we start to draw, when I say our identity, I mean, this is what we're drawing our uh, meaning from. This is what I'm drawing my security from. And it's, it, you know, it's not secure. And, we, you know, that we live a life of frustration there because there's never security in our failure. Uh, but we start to identify our, ourselves as being, um, you know, I am, I, you know, hi, um, I'm Jenna. And I am a, I'm a product of a broken family. 
I am uh, the sister of um, of a, a, a transgender brother. I, you know, I am, and and so that, that's how we identify ourselves. Instead of, you know, wait a minute. Paul says, "For me to live is Christ." I am a Christian who has scars. I'm a Christian who has to deal with certain things in my life, but my security in these things is Jesus himself. I am, like you said, in relationship. I am his and he is mine. Um, so I, I, but I appreciate so much just the, the, the clarity and the articulation that you bring that to the table with and being able to recognize these things at, uh, at such a young age. That's, mm. that's really encouraging for me. Yeah, it's, yeah, the big thing is, um, I think it's uh, not just Christ with me, Christ in me, yes. the very life yes. in me. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the, uh, what the main thing I've learned is just the very life in my bones, the, right. very, the very life in me. It's not just about him yeah. walking beside me, mm-hmm. it's that mm-hmm. That he is in me. He's your source. Yes. Yeah, and you know, that's uh, th- that's what the, the Lord is so faithful to bring us to as we, you know, as we look to him and we walk with him. This, this is what he is going to do with every believer because this is what we were created for. You know, and uh, in, in you, you weren't a first year here, so I get to say some things to you you haven't heard me say before. But, you know, in, in, in Genesis, we see that we were created in the image of God. So we were created in such a way that God is to be seen. Well, how's that going to be possible? Because he made us out of dirt. How is dirt going to show the image of God? Well, Genesis 2, 7 says, and he breathed into the nostrils of dirt, the breath of life, and man became a living being. Man was living out the image of God because the image of God was living out of the dirt. Not because dirt was, you know, able to accomplish something in and of itself, but only because the very life of God is showing the image of God in the dirt. This is the relationship we were made for. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that it was so intimate that he came to walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, and they recognized it. So it means this was not new to them. They were used to this. They recognized it. And so then we start to understand that when we die in Genesis chapter 3, the day that you take thereof, you shall die, shall surely die, is what God says to Adam. When they died, it stands to reason that they died from life. (laughs) Okay, and what is this life? God himself. But then Jesus comes along, and we, we find in John chapter 1, I was just talking about this in yesterday's quick reminder, in Genesis chapter 1, in him was life. You know, it's almost like one person wrote the Bible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who would have thought? <laughs> and, yeah, really. And, and he always talks about the same thing from Genesis to Revelation. This is what we were created for. This is what we are saved for. We are, our salvation is our restoration to what he has always intended. It's so much more intimate. It's so much more richer and deeper and wonderful than just, as Major Thomas used to tell us, than just getting out of hell to go to heaven. 
it's much more. He would, he said it was something, uh, I don't remember the exact wording, but he would say it was, it's literally heaven coming back, as you said, into man. And I mean, how much more precious could it be that he's literally the source? You know, the Bible tells us that there's a demand on you and me to be holy for he is holy. Well, that makes sense because we were created in his image. And just because we, we fall in Genesis chapter 3 doesn't mean we're excused from continuing to live out our created purpose. And what is it? Be holy. What's our standard of holiness? Him. He is holy. Well, we can't do this. We were never designed to do it in and of ourselves. We can only be holy as the one who is holy lives out his holiness in us. I love to sit down and talk with other believers that have come to this understanding uh, because there's a real kindred spirit as we talk about these things. And, it's, and I think this is what Hebrews chapter 3 talks about, to encourage one another daily as long as it is still called today. He's wanting us to encourage one another in this rest that we're to know that is God himself found in Christ. And so no matter what our situations may be, like the ones you've described, in these situations, because of Jesus, we are still given the privilege within these situations to know and breathe the breath of life, to know God himself through his son, Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the beautiful thing alongside that is um, something I've come to understand is that um, as we're living that life, that doesn't mean we have to be happy all the time. That's There's right. a lot of hardship in life. Yeah. Um, but we have an anchor for mm-hmm. our soul. And, mm-hmm. and even when we're, we're not feeling um, the joy of the Lord, it's, that's, then we're not understanding the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is that he is in us. Amen. And so <laughs> that, yeah, just despite what's going on, on around us, uh, that we can say, I trust in Jesus. I know he is my savior. And I don't see the big picture, but thank you, Christ. Thank you, Jesus, Mm. that you live in me. Mm. And so that doesn't mean you have to have a smile on your face all the time. That's right. Um, But we can can say, hallelujah, Jesus is my Savior. That's right. So we are, according to James, to be joyful in all situations, but we have to have a proper understanding of what joy is. Mm -hmm. And like you said, joy is Jesus. And to say to and, and I appreciate again you know, saying thank you, you know that's what that's uh, what Paul tells Thessalonians, you know in everything give thanks, you know this is God's will for you. We always want to know what's God's will, what's God's will, and everything give thanks. This is God's will for you. And so what does that mean? Well, you know Arlene, my wife, is is very uh, insistent on this. You know in her own life and and in our family's life, you know she wants to encourage other believers in the same. Uh, that we are to be thankful. What does it mean? Thank you that despite what's going on, our joy is not from our situation. Our joy is from our position, our, our identification in Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your breath. Thank you for Jesus that I do not walk through this alone, that, that you were there. And you are the head of all rule and authority, Lord Jesus. You're in charge. I mean, how could how could we not be thankful, you know, for that? You know, even though we have these things we have to walk through. 
I'm curious now you now while we you know we're talking about trials so they are very real in our life there are times in our life where you know it just doesn't feel good <laughs> it it is painful and we're also saying but at the same time there is a joy for me uh so with you know a couple of things that you've shared with us you know learning that your identity is not in being from a broken family are from a, a brother who has taken the stance that he's taken what has the lord done in your life with these issues what what about what's he done in your life with regards to you um you know your parents splitting up and and your dad um you know remarrying and you feeling this pressure from him what you know what has the lord done in your heart with this oh wow that's a good question um just when i think that his work is done with those situations. Mm -hmm. He just reveals more to me and teaches me more from that. The major thing from all of it is trusting and obeying. Mm. And so um, knowing that I can't control what goes on around me, uh, but I know who's in control. Mm. And so just that understanding that, that um, Christ is sufficient and he, he is controller, uh, and that my trust is in him and not in what I can do or what I can't do. It's uh, he is the one that does it. Okay. I, I don't know if that made sense. No, it does. It does make sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to give a small answer. But with my dad, it would be, I think the main thing has been an, been an identity shift of kind of what you were saying before is that I'm not a product of my experiences. Mm. Uh, I think I used to think, woe is me. Okay. All these things are happening to me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I made it about myself and that I deserved pity. I deserved people to, to just show love to me. Mm. And, um, and that, didn't happen and mm. so so i came to a place of of just realizing how self-focused i am and that i fall so short and um that saying i'm a christian i think often i would try to to upbring some sort of spirituality from inside myself mm. and say i can upbring trust in the lord from myself I can upbring love and thankfulness from myself, but even, um, can I read a verse? Absolutely. So this is one that, um, just has really impacted me. Okay. Um, and it's Psalm 40 and it says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction out of the miry or miry clay <laughs> and he set my feet upon a rock making my footsteps firm he put a new song in my mouth a song of praise to our god many will see and fear and will trust in the lord and the main thing that that stuck out to me was verse 3 where it says he put a new song in my mouth and how the praise even the praise and in a situation where where it's difficult um, and saying thank you, even that comes from the Lord. Mm. And that, hmm. that again, it's Jesus in me yeah. that's 
that's allowing me to say thank you. Mm. And um, I don't know if allowing, but it's it's him in me. That enables you. Yeah, that yeah. enables me. Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate what you're saying again and that it's reminding me of how so often what we do um, is we think about this life, this Christian life is all about me. You know, it, it's all about, you know, what I get out of this. It's all about what God's done for me. It's, it's all about me. But no, it's all about him. It's not about me. He simply allows me to live in who it's all about. And what an incredible privilege that is. And, but, but we have to come to that, don't we? We have to come to that understanding that this life, I mean, it's what Paul says with Galatians 2.20, right? You know, torchbearers, come on, you know, <laughs> our, our, you know our, our, our theme verse, you know, that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in him, the one who loved me and delivered himself up for me. That this life, it's, you know, it's not until we come around to this truth that this life has always been from the very beginning meant to be about him and not me. And only there are we going to find our satisfaction. Only there will we find our peace and our rest. Only there can we find our true identity as we rest in who he is and allow him to be who he is in us in every situation. You know, you talked about uh, that he's got this, you know, that, that he's in control. Well, that's what the Bible says, you know, that Jesus is the head of all rule and authority. And we have been made complete in him, Colossians 2, 10. And uh, so, so, I mean, these, these are the things that we've got to come to. And it's, these are the things that he's faithful to bring us to, you know, as, as we walk with him and trust him. I think it's interesting in the book of Hebrews that the writer says of Abraham said it wasn't until he was as good as dead that God made him a father of a multitude. You know, it wasn't until he couldn't. <laughs> he came to that to that point where he couldn't. And I think it's an incredible picture of for all of us that we have to be there. You know, we have to be there where we realize this is not about me, not about what I can do. Paul says there's nothing good in me that is in my flesh. The wishing is present because we were made for it, but the doing of the good is not. You know, you know, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this? Well, thanks be to God through Christ Jesus. And and so no, I I you know what you're saying is is really strong, and and necessary for all of us to come to. Some of us come to it kicking and screaming. You know, that, you know, like, no, there's got to be more I can do. There's got to be more I can do Uh, until we come to that point where there's nothing I can do, literally nothing I can do, that that my only satisfaction comes from the fact that I am not my own, that I've been bought with a price. I belong to Jesus and he is my life. So, you know, thank you. That's, That's very, it's very encouraging. What would you say? To someone who uh, maybe you know someone that you've met that's really struggling with um, you know that that they come from a broken home, mm-hmm. what would you say to them to encourage them? Say you know you come across a believer, what encouragement would you give them? So if someone came to me, oh yeah, yeah, my heart goes out to people that are going through pain. Okay, 
because um, there's just, um, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but every person's pain is their own. And so there's, it doesn't really matter um, what the situation is, Mm -hmm. that if someone is experiencing heartache and um, despair even, uh, that it's very real. (laughs) <laughs> that it's mm-hmm. those those feelings are real and valid and and that can be arranged that can that yeah pain is pain for a person but but in that pain um there's opportunity and um in psalm 13 uh, it says how long O lord how mm. long will you forget me and i think when we're in that pain and situations we can think god's forgotten me and and he's left left me here to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And that's just simply not true. Uh, because at the end of that, it says, but I trust in your unfailing love. Mm. Um, because our hope is in him. He is the hope of glory. He's our salvation. And so uh, even in the pain, we know Christ is our life. And, and that, um, that you can come to him right where you are. And if that's simply all you can say in your pain is the words, Lord, I need you. You don't have to, to show strength in your pain, but, but just that reliance and utter dependence on Christ and saying, Christ, you, Lord, you are in me. And, uh, I know you are in this with me mm-hmm. and may you be glorified. I trust in you and <laughs> yeah, may you be glorified. Mm-hmm. Trust in you, mm-hmm. and um, that it's it's walking um, step by step and moment by moment, and God works with a mustard seed of faith. Mm. And if yeah, if all you can say is "Lord, I need you," and that's all you can can utter, <laughs> and that if the pain is so heavy and the burden so heavy, that Christ is in in it with you and that you are not alone in it and um when it seems hopeless and despairing that he is our hope that he is faithful to be with you Mm. and sometimes it doesn't feel like it sometimes it doesn't feel like he's there with you Mm. but but we rest on on christ we rest on him knowing that he is true and what he says is true and that he is with us Mm. um yeah, because his promise is, I will never leave you, never forsake you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, you're right. I think that we have to learn to identify with what is true um, mm-hmm. and, and live from that, not with what we feel and live from that. Because our feelings, although our, you know, our feelings are God-given, we need to be careful that they're not determining what is true. That you know that our feelings are more the result of truth, not the way to truth. In other words, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, yeah, I think you know that that's a hard lesson uh, for us to learn, and it's one that I think most of us have to learn more than one time. It's probably I think it's a lifetime of learning that. Um, now, how about uh, this? This is a hard. This is a hard question. Um, with. You know, we, we look at scripture and we, you know, for for years and years and years and decades and decades and centuries and centuries, you know, you can look at church teaching and say, you know what, divorce is not from God. This is, um, 
you know, this is not what God has. So to engage in this would be it would be to engage in what is not of God. Mm-hmm. Yet, as believers within the church, we have to deal with that so much. Now we have a new thing that's come on, and it's not like it's never happened before. We can go, you know, look throughout church, uh, throughout world history, and we can find that this pops up every once in a while. And now it has again, and that was what you were referring to before with your brother, the transgender issue. But again, I think we go to Scripture, and we see clearly, and this is something that a lot of people don't like to hear, because, you know, again, we base our truth off of our feelings, but it's very clear, you know, starting in the first, you know, I, I, I tell our students here that, you know, and pro- to properly understand Scripture, you have to have a very good, or you should have a very good understanding of at least the first three chapters of the Bible. You know, these foundational truths, and because they're truth, they never change. These truths of God, that he has created us in his image, male and female. So, and you know, there's a lot to that wording, you know, that, and it's very intentional and specific that he's created us male and female. Now, there's a lot of people that don't like that. Even within the church, within Christendom, they don't like that. Um, but we have to start with what's true. There's a couple of things that I came across uh, just recently, uh, but these are two statements that are that are given t- uh, that that were made by the American College of Pediat- Pediatricians, and it's just amazing how just these doctors looking at the science of the whole thing and just articulate the science of it agree with Scripture. And I'll just read these two comments real quick. Uh, one of them says this. Uh, Uh, So this, again, is from the American College of Pediatricians. Human sexuality is an objective biological binary trait. XY and XX are genetic markers of male and female, respectively, not genetic markers of a disorder. The norm for human design is to be conceived either male or female. Human sexuality is binary by design with the obvious purpose being the reproduction and flourishing of our species so be fruitful and multiply this principle is self-evident and then again another statement made by the the same uh, college of pediatricians no one is born with an awareness of themselves as male or female this awareness is develop, or develops over time and, like all developmental processes, may be derailed by a child's subjective perceptions, relationships, and adverse experiences from infancy forward. So our feelings again. People who identify as feeling like the opposite sex are somewhere in between do not comprise a third sex. They remain biologically men or biologically women. And, you know, you look at that and you go, yeah, I mean, it only makes sense that science would agree with God's word. And, but that's not to say that People do not deal with this issue. That's very real. So how would you talk to someone 
who is in the same boat as you, who would have a family member that has come out, you know, identifying with other than what God has made them to be. Just, you know, not so much how would you deal, how would you deal with that person as much as how would you encourage other believers who've had the same issue, the same situation as you, and okay, now what do you do with this, having a family member that has come out like this? Hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I can only speak to specifically my right. situation because it's always different. Of course. Um, but one thing I would want them to know is that their sibling, uh, their, their decisions that the sibling is making doesn't affect their identity. Um, I think when I... Uh, it doesn't affect the, uh, the, 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 like your identity. Yes, yeah, so right. I'll, I'll give right. my situation okay. to make it more clear. Uh, so when, when my brother um, identified as a woman, it affected everything. Everybody knew um, his, decision, his decisions and actions were very outward. And so everybody knew about it. And so I, I suddenly had this shame that now I am the sister of a, a transgender. Okay. And so um, I, I think I, I went forward thinking, I don't, I don't, um, that his decisions now give me identity, okay. if that makes sense. That kind does, of that's what, interesting. Kind wow. of what we were talking about before, of just that, of just that shame mm-hmm. of uh, my family's going through this. Mm-hmm. And it's so unknown of how to approach this. And so, yeah, that my, my identity doesn't change um, based on the decisions of people around me. It's um, nothing defines me outside of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. And so that would be one thing I, m- I might say. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, just that my identity is rooted in Jesus. Okay. Um, because I, I'm, um, my family has close ties and... Um, because we we grew up um, going through a divorce in right. the family, we sure. really really bonded together mm-hmm. and kind of became a unit of like the siblings are in this together. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a big impact of why suddenly when one sibling was making some decisions that that we knew we knew um, we knew who he was and, and it didn't make sense to us mm-hmm. um, that that now I was. Oh, yeah, because we were such a unit, uh, it just hurt so much to see to see somebody uh, that you love um, being something that you know they're not. Okay. And that you've grown up seeing them and, and you know who they are um, to a degree. <laughs> right, right. And just to see them, them reject that. Um, I think one of the hardest things was knowing what's my role as a sibling now. And... Uh, I think the the temptation is want to to change them and right. and put truth down their throat yeah. and say no this is not yeah. not who you are but um but we can't control their decision I as a sister I can't control what my brother does right and so I have to figure out okay how do I how do I love love him uh, without compromising truth okay and so. 
I'm still in that process mm-hmm. of knowing how how to do that. Um, but right, my role right now at the moment, according to the light I've been given, and in dependence on Christ of knowing what's what's my role here. How do I how do I walk this? Um, my role right now is just prayer, coming to the Lord mm. in prayer, and and just <laughs> yeah, yeah, just praying on behalf of my brother. Well, I appreciate that because, you know, so often we think of prayer as being as Christians, we think of prayer being the last resort instead of the first. Mm. And you know that no, I mean the, the, what a what an incredible privilege it is for us to to go before the Father and to to just spend time with him to to, to pour our heart out with these things. And, you know, prayer is a time for us not to talk God into our will, but it's a time for us to come in line with his will and to, to pray according to his truth. To, and and I, I don't think that's a cop-out. I think we can use the verbiage of it as a cop-out. You know, just pray. But, but no, if, if, if that's what we mean, to, to come to the Lord to, and to come in line with his will. You know, it's interesting that he tells us in James, you know, in the context of trials, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach. And the word word reproach there means there's no admixture of evil. There's no alternative, you know, in, in, in what he has to give. There's no alternatives. There's no trick, you know, where, you know, you ask somebody, can I, can I borrow your pen? And they say, sure. And they hand it to you and then they pull it back, you know, (laughs) and then finally you get a hold of it. And then there's that little tug of war thing that goes on. Yeah, you can have it. But no, there's none of that. God says, ask me and I will give you generously and without reproach. And so, you know, Jenna, thanks, because that is the answer that, that that's a strong answer to, you know what, this is, this is a painful thing. This is a confusing thing. I can pray. I can ask the Lord for his wisdom. I can ask the Lord for his mind. I can I can go to him, run to him, be with him in this and allow him again, you know, kind of a theme of what you've been talking about. I can allow him then to have his way. And it'll be interesting to see what he does in your heart with that. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, and just having an openness to just trusting that it's not a lesser activity to be a prayer warrior. Okay. Because it's it seems it can seem like it's not action based mm. mm-hmm. and that you're mm-hmm. not in the throes of the battle. Right. But but I would I would say that is the throes of battle mm-hmm. is prayer the mm-hmm. interse- intercessory right. warf- warfare. That's I don't good. know if that's, no, that's but just it. That's good. praying and bringing it bringing it to the one who knows tomorrow, who holds mm-hmm. tomorrow in mm-hmm. his hands. Um but also being open that he might ask me to do some things and and so um just holding loosely <laughs> onto what my plans are and what my actions are and at the moment being willing to to step into the next action if if that's if that's what Christ would ask of me mm. well Jenna that's uh, uh, that's this has been such a good conversation I would um I, I mean I think I could just 
sit and talk for a while here. Uh, and I, you're probably thinking, please no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, this is only audio podcast, not a video podcast. And, and just so our listeners understand that, you know, while you have been very precious, very, uh, um, very generous in this conversation, uh, that, you know, I've been able to visibly see that this has not been an easy conversation for you. Um, you know, the, the, the wheels are turning. Uh, there's uh, like, oh my goodness. Uh, but, but, but a real desire to talk about these things has been evident at the same time. So thank you for being so vulnerable. Thank you for being so open uh, and just for being willing. I, I really appreciate that. And, um, and uh, we'll be praying for you, you know, as you continue with these things, you know, allowing the Lord to work in your heart with these things. Um, it's, uh, you know, we're glad you're here. Thank you for choosing His Hill for your second year. And uh, I, I hope that it's it's proving to be a profitable time for you to be in, in being here. And um, and uh, it, it, would you like to talk about that some? What, what's it been like coming to a, a different Bible school than the, the, for second year than the one you started with? Has this been a, a good experience for you? Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely a bit of a culture shock with Texas, good old down <laughs> south, um, coming from England. Sure, yeah, a little <laughs> so, different, little different, a little yeah. different. Yeah, I, I kind of assumed that Torchbearer schools would all be kind of similar, uh-huh. but that is completely wrong. <laughs> and they're all, it's all good, but, but different. And I just appreciate so much that uh, I can come to a place where there's just so many different perspectives and so mm-hmm. many different lives of students. Um, but we're all here for the same reason, and that's to know Christ more. Mm. And so it's just uh, just a gift to be able to to learn more about Him and dive into to scripture uh, and to live in community and fellowship and and to learn from that as well okay so. well good well thanks again for, for doing this for being here with me and um, uh, I just uh, appreciate your openness thank you very much yeah thank you thanks for tuning in to the His Hill podcast this week you've been listening to our host Kelly Doherty along with one of our second year students Jenna Kempinski We hope Jenna's beautiful testimony served as a good reminder of God's goodness and sovereignty over us and that he certainly makes everything beautiful in its time. Our annual Thanksgiving conference is coming up in just a few weeks. Thanksgiving lunch is now full and other meals are filling up quickly. If you are interested in joining us during Thanksgiving week, please give us a call at our office at 830-995-3388 to register for sessions or inquire about availability for meals and lodging. If you cannot make it to the conference, you can still listen online to our speakers, Peter Reed and Peter Thomas, during Thanksgiving week. Check out our website and Facebook page during the conference for live and recorded sessions. Thank you again for tuning in to the His Hill podcast this week. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.